0: Please find us at virgilcaylock.uk or patreon.com forward slash Virgil
1: The Strange Tales of Virgil Caylock Beyond the Golden Curtain. Chapter one. It was the summer of 1923 and I cut a solitary figure in a bewildered and wounded world. But I believe I was content in my own melancholy way. Perhaps I was complacent. During my young life, I had already encountered something of the mysterious and the sinister, which remains blessedly hidden to most. And though I had been unable to explain the strange events that had befallen me in Yorkshire and aboard the Albion, I had survived, and thought myself exceptional for my strength of character. I was mistaken, and I was foolish. I believed that it was over, that I had simply been unlucky, that nothing of the like would happen to me again. I had no notion of what further horrors I was about to encounter. I had moved from Hoburn and set up a modest home in Coptic Street in London, which was closer to my work at the British Museum. Having limited knowledge and skill, I spent my days identifying, cataloguing, and moving the exhibits around the vast building in Bloomsbury. The work, though dull, suited me, and I was grateful for it. My social life was limited, and I believe I would have been bored and unhappy were it not for the all-too-infrequent meetings with Dorothy Bell. We had been acquainted for some time. Our experience aboard the Albion had brought us together— and I felt that we shared an affinity, but she was not... she was not my sweetheart, and indeed her attitude toward me was ambiguous. I found myself clinging to the vaguest signs of affection and despairing at any perceived rebuttal. Black hair, and of a slight but athletic build, with an inquiring mind and a wounding wit. She was a journalist for the Illustrated London News, a modern woman, an independent woman. I was smitten as much by her confidence as by her accomplishments. And I was, I believe, in love. It's the tomb of King Mausolus. Well, some of it anyway.
2: It's quite a draw. It was built, um, let me see. Uh, it says it was built in 350 BC, designed by Satyros and Pythias.
1: Dorothy had accepted my invitation to show her around the museum. I was nervous and eager for her to enjoy the tour. I suppose I believed that if she found the exhibits interesting, she might, by association, find her guide interesting too. Uh,
2: The largest ancient construction after the pyramids, the Temple of Halicarnassus was one of the wonders of the ancient world and was built to house the dead body of King Morselus.
3: That's him there? That's right. Big fellow.
2: The size of the statue reflects his status in life.
3: Big dead fellow needs a big dead house to live in.
2: In fact, his tomb dwarfed all the other buildings in the city. Greedy. It was more luxurious too. Full of luxuries, sculpture, art, supplies of food and drink, servants.
3: He had no intention of leaving this world, did he? Wanted to hang on for dear life.
2: I think they may have had a more approximate view of death. Less final.
3: Less final, but more expensive.
2: Wanted to leave something impressive behind, I suppose.
3: Who doesn't? I do. Mr. Kaylock.
1: Mr. Chidlow was my superior at the museum. He was small of stature and seemed excessively serious, as befitted his job as curator, though I suspected that away from the exhibit, he was as affable as anyone else. Mr. Kaylock, are you leading a tour of the museum? I hope not, as it's not allowed, you know. That is
2: not your job. No, Mr. Chidlow. I was just showing Miss Bell the tomb. Miss Bell, Mr Chidlow, our curator.
3: Uh, How do you do? I asked to see it, Mr Chidlow. It was all my fault. I am sorry to have made things awkward. Would you allow me to take the blame?
0: There are tours to be had from the reception area. Very good ones with very knowledgeable
4: staff guides.
2: Actually, I am on lunch, Mr Chidlow, and we are just on our way to the tea rooms. I hope that is permissible. Uh, Oh, yes. Right, very well. If that's the case, that's all well and good. Uh, good day, Miss Bell. Good day. I am so sorry. I'm extremely embarrassed. It's
3: like being at school. He's made me feel guilty. How are we going to the tea rooms? Do you have time? How about lunch?
1: I persuaded Dorothy to join me. The tea rooms at the British Museum are the perfect place for pretending to be casual and trying hard not to be trying too hard. However, for all my efforts to impress, It was clear that Dorothy was more concerned with her own legacy at the Illustrated London News.
3: I'm going to show them up, call them out. It's superstition of the worst kind because it preys on the impressionable for money.
2: But we can't really know absolutely for certain, can we? I mean, I'm sure you're right, but how can you be so sure?
3: For goodness sake, Virgil, I know you are keen to believe in almost anything, but spiritualism? Honestly, I am not the first to expose it. It's commonly known as a sham. It's only good for separating the desperate and stupid from their cash. Yes. Yes, but
2: just because there are lots of frauds, it doesn't mean to say that there isn't something to it.
3: Virgil, if you were looking for evidence of the afterlife, look elsewhere. These people are charlatans. At best, they provide a consolation to the miserable and the morbid. Right. Actually, I think it's childish. It's silly games for grown-ups. Most people grow out of such nonsense.
2: It's hardly a suitable pastime for children.
3: Yes, it is. I did all that sort of thing, and by the age of ten I was done with it.
2: What sort of thing?
3: Spirit talk, Ouija boards, talking to the other side. Really? My friend, Millie Walton, was mad about it. Completely believed all of it, so obviously I had to too. Gosh. Absolutely. It was quite a passion. We had to take it ever so seriously. I spoke to lots of spooks. Great fun, got bored and stopped, grew up. So do you want to come? Come? Where? To a meeting. I can hardly go on my own. Don't worry, I'm not going to throw the table over and unmask them as crooks. I'm just going to write about it. In the paper? Yes, of course. That's what I do. Actually, I've already arranged it and we're going tomorrow night.
2: Where are we going?
3: Mrs Butler. Heard of her? She's famous. All the dead people love her, apparently, and are just falling over themselves to come over from the other side and blow trumpets and rap on tables and generally float around and help her earn a fortune.
1: The chance to spend time with Dorothy was an opportunity I was not prepared to waste. Her invitation flattered me. I overrode my doubts and agreed to be her chaperone. Mrs. Butler's residence was in Pimlico, an unassuming terraced house in an unassuming neighborhood. We were met at the door by Mrs. Butler's associate or housekeeper, Miss Gibson. As a true representative of the miserable and the morbid, Miss Gibson was dressed in unfashionable brown and greeted us with gloom and suspicion. She was of middle age with her hair pulled tightly to her scalp to accentuate her deep-set eyes, pursed lips and sour demeanour.
3: Mr. Virgil Kaylock.
2: Yes, um, correct.
5: And Miss Yates?
2: Um, no. Um...
3: Yes, that's right. Miss Sarah Yates. Please, come in.
2: Thank you. And thank you for allowing us at uh, short notice. Mr. Kaylock. Yes? Four guineas. Two each. Oh, right. Yes.
1: We were ushered through the hallway into a neat drawing room. A small collection of customers sat in an awkward configuration of chairs dotted about the room. A varied clientele from all walks of life. The atmosphere was subdued, and conversation no more than an embarrassed whisper. It felt like a doctor's parlour. Good evening. Excuse me.
2: Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Is this seat taken?
1: Thank you. Uh, I don't... Miss Yates.
3: Well, I could hardly give my real name, could I? You
1: gave my real name? Shh! The eyes that had flicked up at us as we entered now focused on the floor. A gentleman to my right, however, caught my eye and smiled his best reassuring smile. Are you new?
4: Sorry? Have you been before?
1: No. No. No, first time.
4: And yourself? I didn't think I'd seen you before. Blackwell, Maurice Blackwell. Good evening.
2: How do you do? Virgil Kaylock, And this is my friend, Miss...
3: Um... Yates.
4: Yates. How do you do? Exciting. <laughs> Been attending Mrs. Butter's evenings for a while now. She really is remarkable. She's not like the others, other mediums. You will see wonders. You will see... <laughs> well, you will see. Well... Marvellous. Exciting. It is reassuring to know all is well, don't you think? With those who have traversed the mortal horizon. I beg your pardon? He means dead people.
1: He pressed a card into my hand. Blackwell and Goodman. Optical instruments.
4: We make spectacles also. Uh, to order. Thank you. I'll keep this safe. And you are? Virgil
2: Kaylock, British Museum. No card, I'm afraid.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? You will soon be making company with the most gifted medium of our age. Mrs Butler has been fated across Europe and America for her blessed powers. Powers that are assuredly heavenly in origin. She has reunited hundreds of souls separated by the great veil and brought them resolution and peace. She has delivered much needed wisdom from the wise and the good, even from the ancients of Greece and Rome. She has corrected falsehoods written in our history books by communicating with the celestial manifestations of some of the most famous persons from time past. Yet, I will say unto you this, that I promise you nothing. The spirits do not answer to the curious and the seekers of sensation. If you require entertainment, I suggest you go elsewhere. We are about a serious business and will be communicating directly with blessed spirits. Those of a sceptical nature must therefore leave now. Only those of a pure, earnest and respectful inquiry are invited to follow me into the adjoining room. This way, please.
1: The room was very dark. A modest parlour with no outstanding features, a few pictures on the walls, and a vase of fresh flowers on a side table... The window was heavily curtained. The lamps on the wall had been turned down so low that they guttered and flickered in the gloom. A candelabra stood on a large round table, surrounded by chairs.
5: I invite you now to sit and keep a respectful silence as we await Mrs. Butler. She'll join us presently. I must ask you to be so good as to not disturb Mrs. Butler with demands or unnecessary questions and keep the reverence that our purpose requires. <clears throat> you will not leave your seat in any circumstance, regardless of what miracles you may witness. You will not cry out or challenge the spirits, and upon no circumstance whatsoever will you attempt to touch them.
2: Excuse me.
3: I wonder what a ghost feels like.
2: A bit fed up, I should think. <laughs>
1: After a few long minutes, Miss Gibson returned, and shortly afterwards, Mrs. Butler entered by another door at the end of the room. A lady of middle age, her hair carefully arranged, she was dressed in black, but had a permanent smile on her lips. A smile that suggested patience, self sacrifice, and martyrdom more than joy. She floated in and sat at the table.
6: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. I'm sorry to have kept you.
4: No, that's still. quite all right.
6: So pleasant to see you again, Mrs Felton. Good evening. Mr Blackwell, Good Mrs evening. Brooke, and some new faces too. You are most welcome. <clears throat> Tonight feels just right. I know our efforts will come to fruition. Miss Gibson will remain and assist sisters. And now, shall we begin?
1: Miss Gibson hung back, standing against the wall in the shadows... I could not see her face.
6: I must ask you to settle your minds and concentrate. Forget your worries and the problems that trouble your lives. Look into the candle flame, focus on the flame, and know that our friends are waiting for us just beyond the light.
1: There was a pause in the proceedings while we all stared into the flames.
6: And now pass this to your neighbour and back to me please.
1: From a pocket or fold in her dress, Mrs. Butler produced a piece of old and knotted rope and passed it to Dorothy.
3: What is it? Is it a noose?
6: A noose? Yes. Pass it to your neighbour, please. Oh, be not afraid. It is simply a talisman. It will open a corridor between us and our loved ones. It is our key to the dark door. And return it to me, please. Thank you. Is it Mr. Kaylock? Oh, uh,
2: yes. Yes, it is.
6: Mr. Kaylock, would you be so good as to assist me? Um, Before you is an unlit candle. May I
1: have it, please? Certainly. I took the unlit candle from the stick in front of me and passed it to her. Mrs. Butler snapped it in half and returned it to me to be placed back in the candlestick. Though the wax was broken, the wick kept the candle intact...
6: We must illuminate the path for our spirit guide. Mr. Kaylock, would you light our way?
1: She passed me a box of matches, and I lit the damaged candle which lolled precariously, but remained secure.
6: Now please, listen carefully. You will hold the hand of the person sitting to either side of you, and you will not let go until our purpose is concluded. Whatever happens, Whatever you may see or hear, you will not let go. Now close your eyes and concentrate upon the loved one you would most like to speak to. It is required that you awake your faith. And now, silence.
1: Psst. Psst. What?
6: Hold my hand.
2: Dorothy, hold my hand. Oh, for goodness sake. Shh!
1: Sorry. We sat in this awkward fashion for about a minute, with just the sound of the gas lamps and our own breathing. And then...
6: Mr. Round Boys? Mr. Round Boys? Mr. Round Boys? Mr. Round Boys, won't you join us this evening? We ask you to come to us now and be our guide on our blessed adventure. Lead us safely to our loved ones through the mists and briars of our own longing to the Twelve Gates and the City of Pearls. Help us to reach out to those in bliss so we may awake to their presence here tonight. Mr. Round Boys, you are most welcome. We are your friends. Won't you join us?
5: Stay where you are.
1: Alarm coursed round the table as we gripped each other's hands tighter, and Miss Gibson called from the shadows.
5: Do not be alarmed. Mrs. Butler is quite safe. Remain. In your seats. <coughs> Mr. Roundboys? Are you present? Have you found our friends? Are they with you? Something touched my cheek.
7: Mr. Blackwell,
6: please.
7: <coughs> Mr. Roundboys? Good evening, <gasps> Miss Gibson. Good
5: to all. Good evening, Mr. Roundboys. We welcome you to our company. What is your will? It is our will to commune with the spirits in bliss. Our friends, our loved ones, our dear departed. What do
7: you seek?
5: Mr. Blackwell, you may speak now.
4: Yes, thank you. Um, Good evening to you, Mr. Roundboys. I am so grateful to you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Roundboys, I would very much like to speak with my wife, with Alice, if I may. Is she present?
7: is past she is here Alice she walks on shadow she dances barefoot on
4: shadow yellow
7: yellow
4: tulips yes yellow tulips yes that's right I can smell them I can oh
7: Alice she is dancing She is dancing? She holds her hands to her chest.
4: Yes, yes indeed. It's the consumption. My poor Alice, all is well now. The pain is gone. You are feeling better now. She looks kindly upon you. What is in her hand? It is a necklace, Morris. Oh, yes, yes. The locket, my goodness I, I placed a locket in her, you see, yes, in her grave. A photograph, the two of us, as we were. Is she at peace? Is she with God? She
7: kisses the locket. She smiles on you, Maurice.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Alice, my angel, my dear...
7: She is running her hands across
4: your brow. Yes, yes. I feel it. Yes, she's here. I can I can feel her hands. I can see her. She leaves us. She passes into shade. When will I see her again? When will we be together?
7: <laughs> Are you really so eager to join her, Maurice?
5: Mr. Round Boy's... Do you have others with you tonight?
1: The room was so cold, despite the urge to open my eyes, I kept them firmly shut. And then I felt something like silk cross my face.
7: (gasps) The mist's part. Rachel... Rachel... She opens her arms, she brings comfort. Rachel
2: is here. Rachel? That was my mother's name. Could it be that? She holds a
7: baby boy in her lap. She cradles you still. She comforts
2: you still. I... I never knew her. Her
7: mother's love is eternal. Her hands are upon your shoulders.
2: Oh my goodness. Yes,
7: they are. She has been with you all your life. You are not alone. She is with you, always.
2: Thank you. Thank you, I, I don't know what to say, I-
7: Orem unam to Sacris Clavum, the golden one. I
2: don't understand. Uh, mother? I can see something, something, someone white.
3: Mother? My sister, do you see her? Is she there? Can you see my sister? She died, is Hattie there?
7: Hattie.
3: My younger sister.
7: Hattie.
3: Yes, Hattie.
7: I see a blue glass brooch. Yes. On a blue dress.
3: Yes. Ringlets.
7: Black ringlets. That's right. She holds her cat in her lap. No! It is a puppy. Jasper. Yes, that's Jasper. She sits up straight. Like a good girl. She is waving at you. She takes your hand. She thought she had lost you. She wants to play. She is laughing and smiling. You will be together soon. Very soon. On the beautiful shore. (laughs) Bless the child. Bless the little child. Her sitting patiently all alone. She has been so patient all this time, waiting so patiently, waiting, waiting for you. Ernest, Ernest is here.
1: The seance continued in this vein for another half hour or so, and we were then ushered from the room, leaving Mrs. Butler behind us, who, exhausted by her night's work, had sunk listless into her chair. The evening was over, and we were guided to the front door, from where we were left to disperse into the reassuring banality of the streets of Pimlico.
2: Extraordinary! I really don't know how to... What an experience! Truly incredible! I told you, didn't I, Mr. Caleb? It is a miracle! Indeed you did, Mr. Blackwell. Quite something. (laughs) Ha
0: ha!
4: Yes! A miracle! Well, now you know. All good things... Good night. All good things. Good night. Good night. good
2: night. good night to you. Good night. Good night, you. good night. Extraordinary. I mean, I'm pleased it's over, but my mother. Do you think it possible? Obviously, I never knew her, but her name was Rachel. How could she know? I heard her voice. Did you hear it? You must admit that it was uncanny.
3: How would she know? Virgil, she guessed. It's a common name. Someone was bound to know a Rachel. I do. But...
2: No, no, she said she was my mother.
3: No, she didn't. You said that. You gave her all she needed. It's called a cold reading. They throw out names like fishing hooks and hope someone will bite, and then they reel you in with guesses. It's how it's done.
2: But I, I felt hands on my shoulders. I smelt perfume. She
3: spoke. Uh, and where was Miss Gibson when you felt hands on your shoulders? I felt someone prodding me too. I think Miss Gibson had quite a busy night. I'm sorry.
2: But your sister? She couldn't know about that. I didn't know about that. She had every detail, explain that.
3: Virgil, Virgil, I don't have a sister. I am an only child. What? I made it up, you, you see? She's not so clever now, is she? You made her up? I wanted to see if she would invent a dead sister for me, and she did. She's a fraud, I've proved it.
2: Really? The, the dog, the, the puppy? No, nope,
3: no dog, never had a dog, pure fiction. What? Are you disappointed? I told you it was all hokum.
2: Yes, I am. I suppose I am a bit disappointed. I suppose I just got caught up in it all. What a fool.
3: You're not a fool. Well, maybe a bit of a fool, but it's what they're trained to do. It's their job to fool you.
2: I suppose so. Oh, you'll think I'm an idiot. Please don't put me into your story.
3: Front page. Virgil Kaylock, an absolute dim-witted clown. Proof, it's the only thing worth reading about. It's just...
2: but It all seemed quite convincing in the moment. Not
3: at all. It was disgusting, I'll give you that. All that choking and coughing. Quite a performance.
2: Yes, Mr Roundboys. Bit of an odd fellow.
3: What was that? If she had to have a spirit guide. Why did she need to choose one that sounded so disgusting?
2: A spirit guide?
3: Yes, quite common. Pretty much every medium has one. We had one. We had a character called Mr. Pinch.
2: Mr. Pinch? And who was he? No
3: idea. Some lost wandering ghost, I suppose. Millie found him in a rhyme. Uh, Mr. Pinch is so polite, doffs his cap and says good night. Write his name upon the floor, he'll be yours forevermore.
2: Sounds pleasant enough.
3: Wait, it goes on. Mr. Pinch is oh so brave, whistles whilst he digs your grave. If you speak his name, times four. He'll come knocking at your door.
2: Ah, not so pleasant. And did you write his name upon the floor?
3: Yes, of course. In chalk and said his name four times. We broke a candle too. Yes,
2: the candle. Wasn't that odd?
3: There's a ritual to this sort of thing. If you don't get it right, then it won't work.
2: But it doesn't work. You don't believe in it. Did Mr Pinch appear?
3: Never did, thankfully. But of course we pretended he did. Millie did his voice. Very scary. What did he say? No idea. I can't remember. Scared us silly. I mean, we were children playing games. Summon him up yourself if you want to meet him. Uh,
2: No, thank you. I think I'll avoid both Mr. Pinch and Mr. Roundboys.
1: And that was our adventure. The world of table-turning had been thoroughly debunked. Dorothy's piece in the Illustrated London News followed shortly afterwards, and as promised, was a complete annihilation of the spiritualist movement. It was a wonderful success. Dorothy looked forward to more extraordinary scoops, and I looked forward to more of her company. I thought the world was a splendid place. I was mistaken. I had no notion of what terror was soon to engulf us both.
0: In Chapter 1 of Beyond the Golden Curtain, written by John Ram, Virgil Kaylock was played by Nicholas Bolton. Young Kaylock, Daniel Fraser. Mrs. Butler, Carolyn Backhouse. Miss Gibson, Rachel Atkins. Dorothy Bell, Ellie Turner. And Mr. Blackwell, Sam Dale. The music was composed by Neil Brand. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. It is produced by Richard Varman, Martin Malone and John Ram. It is a Kaylock production. Please find us at virgilkaylock.uk or patreon.com forward slash virgilcaloch.